Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Hi there, I'm Jason Shulman, and this is New Books in Australian and New Zealand Studies. My guest today is Rebecca Jones. She's a senior research fellow at Monash University. She's here to talk about her new book, Slow Catastrophes, Living with Drought in Australia, published by Monash University Publishing in August 2017. Rebecca, welcome to the show. Hi, Jason. It's great to have you on. So, Rebecca, how did you get interested in the topic of drought? Well, being Australian, I've lived with drought for my entire life, but the real catalyst was when I was, I'd just moved to a small property in rural Victoria in southeastern Australia, and we were in the middle of the millennium drought, the, one of the largest, longest droughts that Australia's experienced. And I, we were watching, we were getting our house renovated, and we were sitting around, and we were watching the farmers around us feeding cows at times they shouldn't be feeding cows. Some of them were buying water, and we were just thinking, how on earth are these people coping? And at the time, I was working at Monash University researching mental illness and rural resilience, and I started to put the two together, and I started to think, well, people have been farming, you know, European farming techniques in Australia for over 200 years, so clearly they do cope, clearly they do know how to, how to work with drought, but what are they doing? Now, how are they dealing with it? Not only practically and financially, but how are they dealing with it emotionally? And that's how I became interested in it and then, you know, applied for grants and a few years later started the work at Australian National University. Right. So you say drought is not only a natural but also a cultural disaster. Uh, what do you mean by that? Well, of course, it is a, it's a natural phenomenon. There's um, inevitably fluctuations in rainfall, that's just the Australian climate. But the way that we deal with drought, the way that we cope with drought, it's really got to do with with society, with the way policies are put in place, the way people have learnt to cope with the environment around them, the way people have learnt to understand or not understand their environment. So that's why I say it's a cultural as well as a natural phenomenon. One of your ideas is this idea of resilience and how people respond to drought. Did, did you feel like you were kind of merging two fields uh, or bringing them together when you were doing your research? I, I became, I've been long interested in resilience. I think particularly in relation to environmental issues that we often tend to emphasize the negative. We tend to emphasize how awful things are. And a lot of Australian history does and rightly so, document the hardships associated with drought, and, and there are many of those. But I thought, well, there is this other story. There is this story of how people coped, how people did deal with it, how people got through these droughts. So, yes, in a, in a way I was, I was merging my ideas from psychology, mental health, rural health, um, with historical ideas of coping with natural disasters and coping with climate. 
What kind of archival material did you use? Uh, you focus on farmers and grazers from the 1890s to the 1950s in, in southeastern Australia, but you had access to some pretty interesting personal material. Can you tell us about that? Oh, it was fantastic. I absolutely loved the archival research. It was so interesting. I was using personal diaries. They were farm, farm diaries. Farm diaries, they're an international form, really, that have been used throughout, certainly throughout the Western world, since the 1850s, mid-19th century. They're a a kind of combination, written by farmers, and they're a combination of a very sort of practical resource where they document crop yields, financial returns, that kind of information. But then it also merges into a kind of personal journal. So people also write about their social activities, their family life, their emotions, you know, what they're feeling about things. So it, it, for a historian, it's an absolutely fabulous resource for not only what people were doing on the farm, but what they were feeling about it. So I had access to... Oh, I used about 15, but then for the book, I selected, I focused on seven farm diaries that spanned, I, I, I emphasised the ones that spanned a longer period of time. So some of them actually were written for over 50 years. So I could document that change over time, how people learned and grew with the, with the environment and with their farming skills. Um, and they were, yes, they were all in public collections. Fortunately, they've been they've been preserved for for posterity, and um, they were. I really felt like I got to know the people. They were they became my friends. <laughs> I have a, a pretty mundane question, but in, in uh, the book, we get a couple pictures of the pages from the diaries. Was it hard to read the uh, cursive? Each time I opened a new diary, I thought, oh. This is going to be dreadful. But you you get into the swing of it. You get to understand, as you sort of read a few pages, you get to understand the way they write. And occasionally, of course, there'd be smudges and there'd be times when um, one of the people whose diaries I used a lot, when he went travelling, when he um, moved around, which he did a bit, he used pencil and that was quite difficult to discern. Um, But on the whole, it was... It was quite, it was okay. And, it, and it, the, through the cursive writing, you, you get a sense of their personality. You get the sense of that change over time, the little blots, the crossings out, the sentence started and then crossed out. It, it gives you that intense feel of, of life being lived. Mm-hmm. Section one of the book uh, tells the stories of these farmers and grazers. Why these, why these stories? And is there a story that particularly resonated with you? Out of the, the many diaries, the 15 or so diaries that I looked at, and then as well as diaries, I looked at correspondence and memoirs as well. Um, I, I, chose, I chose seven or, well, eight really, eight stories, eight people which I presented through seven stories. I chose them to maximise the diversity, so I chose them to to look at a range of agricultural types, a range of geographic areas, both men and women, um, people who had acquired their farms in different ways, you know, either through inheritance or through government schemes or small small farms, large farms. You know, I wanted I wanted that diversity of voices, and then I also wanted people who I had a a, a kind of coherent narrative across time, not not just a sort of blip of one year. 
So that was how I selected those um, those eight. Uh, probably, oh look, I I became very fond of all of them, but probably I'd say my favourite would have been Charles Coote. He was a and he farmed in northwestern Victoria, so in, in semi-arid, it's wheat and sheep country, quite large open plains, um, not not unlike your Midwest. He farmed from the early 1890s until the 1950s and his diary was a meticulous record of his life. He talked a lot about his family but he also had these wonderful wheat yields, financial records, photographs and he had a lovely wry sense of humour, very kind of dry, droll take on the world. He was also a really keen observer of his environment and every time he drove anywhere, he'd write little comments on the state of the crops or how the, how his, how's the, how the sheep were going in comparison to his own. And you got a real sense of the landscape through, through Charles Coote. Mm-hmm. Section two of the book uh, it, it takes some of the themes that are raised in, in section one and, and explores them in depth and analytically. What is the conundrum of drought? How do people experience you know, both drought and rain? One of the things that really struck me when I was researching this book, and I, as well as the diaries and personal sources, I also interviewed a large number of current and recently retired farmers. And one of the things that struck me when I um, was talking to these farmers is that some of the, some of the people for whom drought caused the least problems were those who just accepted drought as part of the landscape. In fact, one farmer said to me, he, he, I was interviewing him about his experience of drought and he was, he was kind of perplexed. He clearly didn't really engage with what I was talking about and I realised that he asking him about drought was like asking him about rain, you know, it just happened. And I realised that drought, well, he said to me, look, Drought's just part of the living. It's just what you do. So those people for whom drought was just, you know, an inevitable part of farming in Australia were those for whom drought had the least impact. They just accepted it as part of the part of the way of life. When drought was approached as a aberration or something unusual or a disaster that shouldn't be happening, then that was when the, the problems occur. Mm-hmm. Drought also, you know, not only can create problems uh, for farmers, but also creates a lot of uncertainty. H- how did people deal with, you know, just not knowing whether there would be rain or not? I think that uncertainty is one of the, the one of the biggest challenges of drought because drought, you know, it's it's unlike a lot of other natural disasters. It's not an acute, you know, like a fire, or like a wildfire or an earthquake. It's it doesn't cause immediate loss of life. It doesn't have that kind of adrenaline rush of danger. It's just a day in, day out, week, month, year plod, never knowing when it's going to end. You don't even know when it starts, in fact, because in Australia anyway, drought is is defined as um, below 30% of normal rainfall in, a, in any three-month period. So it's not until you're well into a drought that you actually know it started. So that kind of inability to plan, inability to make any 
decisions about what you're going to do for the next six months or 12 months, that really, that is a, a real challenge for farmers and one that many of the farmers that I researched struggled with greatly. They don't know if the drought's going to be one year or five years. Right. Many parts of the world, you know, have are dry um, and farmers have to deal with, you know, elements of uncertainty. Uh, what's particularly Australian about this story? Mm, that's an interesting question. I think it does. I think as I was writing it, I was very aware that it had resonances to, you know, to, to many parts of Australia. Uh, sorry, to many parts of the world. I think, hmm, southeastern Australia is climatically one of the most variable, has one of the most variable climates. Um, and yet it's also very agriculturally productive. That's one of the reasons why I was so interested in research in this particular region, um, because clearly it, it does demonstrate resilience, although drought, it does cause a lot of problems. So it's a particularly heightened issue for Australia. But I do think it, it's, a, it's an issue which, which does resonate with, with many parts of the world where agriculture is conducted. Uh, last question, Rebecca, before I let you go. What does studying the history of drought tell us uh, about the future of climate, uh, especially in Australia, and, and how we uh, respond to climate change? Well, there's really in, informed consensus now among scientists that climate change will bring more frequent drought and more severe drought, particularly in places like southeastern Australia, but in, in many other parts of, of the world. So I think understanding how people in the past have coped with these fluctuations and these weather extremes might, I hope, be able to help us cope with climate change in the future, suggest ways that we might be able to cope with drought in the future. Hope so. Uh, Rebecca, I want to thank you for being on the show today. That's Rebecca Jones. Her new book is Slow Catastrophes, Living with Drought in Australia. It's published by Monash University Publishing in August 2017. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.